Hello and welcome to episode 491 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm the Black and Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. How are you? Hmm. Not real yes. well. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think people have probably been waiting for this episode. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been tempted to tweet, and I've gone, nah, save it. Save it. <laughs> Let it stew. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're, we're ready now. We're ready. So let, let's deal with the um, stupid old dumb cunt elephant in the room. Yep. Tim Sheens has decided he doesn't want to be a coach anymore. He's decided, do you reckon? Well, probably. I think that he was probably sacked. No. You don't reckon? No. Because if he was sacked, he'd be kicking up a stick and bitching and moaning about it like the last time he was sacked. What we should do. So he Mm. comes in, start of last year, Mm -hmm. to do a review of the football club department. And you called it immediately. You knew it was going to happen. Yeah, 100%. There's only and one outcome that was going to happen. If you go back to one of the previous 489 episodes, you'll hear it mentioned on one of them. He comes, I don't know which one. He, said he does He does a review of the juniors, apparently. He does a review of all of the back, back football department and everything, the coach and everything, comes back and says, listen, you need to sack Mark McGuire. And there's one coach in the world that can fix this and it's only one is anyone worldwide search. Remember they said they did a worldwide search, worldwide search. They, they scoured the globe. They went to Ghana, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. They even looked in uh, Finland. Mm-hmm. I believe they even went to um, Oslo just to yep. be sure. And um, the man they come up with who yep. was recommended by Tim Sheens was Tim yep. Sheens. And so Tim Sheens got a three year deal. But on top of that, he also said that at the end of that three-year deal, the next coach would be Benji Marshall, and the assistant to that coach would be Robbie Farrar. That's right. And so the West Tigers locked into five years of their coaches locked down. Now, Tim Sheen's ended that Actually, season. Let, let, me, let me stop you there, too. Yeah. Not only did they lock down their coaching structure for the next five years, even in that five years, they've got a coaching change. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. And so they, while they're still paying Michael Maguire, because when you sack a coach, you've got to pay him out. Okay, in comes, you know, your next coach, which is Tim Sheens, who was also the football director, I believe. Pretty good deal if you can give it to yourself. Imagine <laughs> the luck. Imagine the yeah. luck of being able to find the coach that you need globally and they've already got a job within their business. Do you reckon that he woke up one morning, he was shaving, and then he, you know, he washes his face and then he looks up and he goes, it's me. I'm the man for the job. Anyway, so... He would have actually would have looked at the mirror and he would have just gone, I've seen this guy before. <laughs> and I've seen him winning several premierships before. Let's get that guy. Thinking he's watching TV. Exactly. He's waiting, so, for the, he's waiting for the super to come up with his name, with the name of the bloke on there. So hang on. The rest of his first year as the new coach of the West Tigers, he gets a wooden spoon, but things are changing. It's a new era. We know the new era. And that's this season. They come into this season and they go even worse and they win the wooden spoon again because they're going to win it, right? Yeah. And so we've gotten to this week where 
Tim Sheen says apparently stood down and Benji Marshall, who was being taught how to be a first grade coach, that's all being sped up. And now Benji Marshall will be the coach going forward from next year. And Robbie Farrow is not certain that he wants to be an assistant coach anymore because he's thinking that he'd like to be some sort of management role. But that hasn't been like, that's just a, that's just a management role of some sort that I, I don't know. It's sort of up in the air. Um, the CEO is not talking and the chairman, Chairman Lee, with the funny little hat, he's been talking a lot in the media. He says, right, this isn't a failure. This was always the plan. <laughs> Andrew, do you have anything to say about these uh, things that have happened? Finishing last two years in a row. That's not a failure. That's we not planned, a failure. We plan to come last. We're tanking. There's no benefit out of tanking, but we're tanking. Yeah, yeah. This is our plan. It's not a failure. He not said failure. so. <laughs> uh, look, Tim Sheens has got a pretty good track record of, um, at the West Tigers anyway, of failing, failing. Yes. And falling below expectations. Yes. He's done it quite a lot. Yes. Um. He's overrated. I've mentioned this before, and I'm I was saying this before he was he came back to the club. When he was at the club in 2008, around there, I was saying then he needs to go. He's he's been here for five years. He's been here too long. The club's it's it was plateauing then. It wasn't going anywhere. And the fact they made the finals in 2010 2011 was not because of Tim Sheens. It was in spite of Tim Sheens. Because yeah. that squad was had a few similarities to the Panthers now in one sense that there was a small core of players there, mostly around the spine, who had been together for quite a few years and they're all around that 26, 27, 28 years of age. They had had a bit of a premiership success, but they had stuck together. Um, the only difference was the rules of the day around then were around having... Um, Quicker edge forwards, and the Tigers had tons of those. And so the game was kind of designed for their, the way they played, and so it was inevitable they were going to make the finals. They should have gone into the finals in 2012, and that didn't happen, and the club's just gone, we'll pull the trigger now. It took them, took them basically five to six years to get the nuts to sack him. And then he, put, he dug his heels in, after apparently he made a handshake agreement that he would step down if the Tigers didn't make the finals in 2012. Yeah. And then they did, and he's gone, well, I'm not leaving. It's not in writing or some shit to that effect. So they sacked him anyway, and he dug his heels in. He says, I'm not going anywhere until you pay me out. And he wanted fucking a million or two million or something like that. So the club had to get stopgap measure coaches. It fucked the club for another two years. I mean, most coaches whether they have a happy or unhappy tenure at the club, they gauge their success not just on premierships, but on leaving a club better than when they started there. And this bloke had, to some degree, left them better with their on-field results. But after all the fucking drama he dragged them through after he got sacked, they've been where they are now for a decade. And... He has to take a lot of credit for the misery that that club is now in. And all the good that he did to the club, 
is completely gone. It's but all I, undone. I think it's – I think when he left the club the first time and, he, he, he as you say, he left them in not a good place. I mean, they had a – the lineup that was around Benji Marshall, who's a generational talent, was – and Robbie Farrer and a couple of other decent players that were there, it was abysmal. And to the point where, like I've I've said before, one of my favourite things to do was to watch Benji Marshall drag the terrible teams he was the leader of, kicking and screaming to wins they had yeah. no right to get. It was incredible to watch. Um, and there, there was afterwards, you had a team that needed rebuilt, and the but at some point it stops. You can you have to stop blaming like Sheens for that. And at some point it, it rests on the club. And especially when that rebuilding, you know, over the course of a decade doesn't occur. And then, you know, you, you look at all of the coaches that have been through that place. Some of them have been really bad. Some of them have been pretty damn good. There's been a couple of guys there that are premiership coaches that have been through there. And none of them have been able to fix it. And, I mean, the the thing that gets me is that they haven't been in the finals for 11 straight years in a salary cap era, which is almost impossible. Yeah. We, they were 16th last year. We added a team, and they, now they're 17th. Like, <laughs> a brand-new team did better than them this year, who had, by the way, who had no players in March last year. No NRL players in March last year, and they still managed to put together a better club than the West Tigers. That's right. Crazy. They had such um, a small window to get themselves prepared, and they're still achieving not immensely better, but enough better. Yeah, yeah. And and that's that's I think that says everything about the West Tigers. The fact that you look at the Bulldogs, and they're having a terrible season. You look at the Dragons, they're having like a catastrophic season. And those two teams have no chance of winning <laughs> The wooden spoon. Can, going on that, can I just can we just go back to last year, right? Mm-hmm. The end of last year, mm-hmm. the bottom three teams on the ladder. Yeah. Tell me which one seems a bit different compared to now. Okay. Bottom three teams: West Tigers, last; second last; Warriors, third last; Knights. Well, you know, look, the Knights. Uh, you can't look past the Knights either. The Knights have done very well, right? Well, but two the of Warriors... those teams now are in the top eight, and one of them isn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the Warriors, right? I mean, I think it it shows they got rid of a lot of players. They were coming out of a very bad era that they they couldn't really control because of having to be in Australia and how messed up it all was for them. But you've got to say that the change there is remarkable and it shows what can happen when you get a guy in that it turns out can coach. You know, he he gets the right people. He gets the most out of his playing group. The, what was the, the last time the you could Warriors, say that about well, the the West Tigers? The thing about the Warriors, which is most frustrating for Tigers fans, is the bloke who's coaching there was an assistant coach at the West Tigers. Yeah, right. The Warriors last year were the only team to have worse defense than the West Tigers. Their defense is one of their strong suits this year. Yeah. It's, and the Tigers finished two wins behind them on the ladder. Just four wins last year. They're currently not even at four wins this year. Admittedly, the Tigers' attack and defence stats for points per game is better in both areas. That's hardly anything to fucking hang your hat on when you've only won three of 24 fucking games. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and um, look, you can you can make a you can say like the Dolphins come in and without a team, they built a team in the space of say let's say ten months. Let's be really generous and say in ten months they went from nothing to having an NRL squad that has performed better than the Tigers. Then you can say, well, the Warriors have basically done the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. I, I know that they had a starting point, but the, it, they just showed. I mean, the Warriors are showing just because you have bad seasons doesn't mean you can you can't turn it around really quickly. And there's like the Broncos were another one. They had a, a terrible season under Seabold, and and Walters was able to turn it around in the course of like eighteen months. Um, most teams do that. Yep. The West Tigers haven't done it for 10 years straight. They don't know how to. And that's because their management is just the worst, one of the worst ever. I thought the years with Grant Meyer at the club, which was basically the time just after Sheen's left, mm. was the worst time the club went through because mm. there was no leadership or accountability anywhere in the club. And a lot of people would hang shit on Robbie Farah back then. But if you look at it from a Tigers fan's perspective, Robbie Farah was the only one to have the balls to go out and front the media about the shit that was going on in the club. And most of the time, he wasn't giving them any information. But he was the only one that showed actual leadership within the club. And that's a fucking concern. Yeah. When a player has to burden that shit as well as what's going on on the field as well. And then he's been run in front of a fucking bus because of what some dumb fucking old cunt said on the bloody footy show or whatever it was two years before or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's dealing with that crap. And to be honest, most of the Tigers coaches that have had since Sheens, the majority of them haven't been bad. Potter was very good, and he was making some great strides in the club's defense. That that crap that went on with the player revolt thing where Gordon Tallis was looking after his mate by taking the job off him, um, thanks, Gordon, you fucking genius. Um, that derailed the club so much. In about four weeks, they went from being on the fringe of the top eight to losing four games in a row by pretty big margins and dropping right out of the race. So they were close, close to the end of the season there. Taylor was abysmal, and he, in my view, he was only hired with one job, and that was to get Farah out of the squad because he was costing too much. And he was costing too much not because of anything Farah did to the club, but it was what Farah had done for the club to help him stand at the cap in previous years by taking pay cuts. And I believe his last deal suggested that he was going to get a lot of that money repaid back to him, which is why he was being paid a million dollars a year or whatever it was close to that mm-hmm. in his last two seasons. It's not what his market value was. A lot of people get that confused. It's back pay is what it is, basically. Because uh, when he came back to the club, he wasn't on big money. Not even close. Um, so Taylor, was, I think, was tasked with that job. That's why we saw that drum with Farrah being dropped to New South Wales Cup and then eventually pushed out of the club. That's not how you treat a former captain of the club. who doesn't want to leave. But it's not only that. It's the fact that the management at the time... Uh, they had given this contract to Farah, and, and as you say, it, there was a reason for that. But then they immediately wanted somebody else to try and get them out of that contract. Yeah. And they tasked that to the person that was going to be the coach. And look, it, it was a 
It was something that Jason Taylor took on board, but he probably shouldn't have had to, but he decided to. And I understand that if you're trying to get your foot in the door as a first grade coach, you'll do anything. Um, and it's just a mess. Like what a messy, terrible situation to put the coach and the player into if you're the team's management. Yeah, it's atrocious. Mm. Um, Ivan Cleary came in, obviously a good coach. And then for some unknown fucking reason, the club tried to pit him against his own fucking son. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, um, it, yeah, unbelievable. Fucking utter morons. You would think that they would just do the math on that. And then they bring Maguire in, and Maguire is burdened by these long contracts that would have been signed for a majority of players on big money. He was burdened with those for the best part of three seasons while he was there. And when he finally got his first season out of those and start having a bit of money freed up in the cap, they dump his ass. And they bring in this stupid old prick. Because Tim Sheen said that he was the guy to coach the club. Yeah. They're bringing this stupid old prick. He's come in and he's decided that the age of 71, I think it was at the time, that he's going to come in after 11 years out of the coaching game in the NRL. And he'll just walk in. And not only going to be an NRL coach again full time, he's also going to teach a person who's never coached a game in their life to be an NRL elite level coach. Mm-hmm. While at the same time dealing with a club that is winning a spoon that has then manifested into them winning another spoon and having now, not only has he got Benji a club that's got the spoon two years in a row, he's also handed him a club that has no halfback at all next year. Their 5-8 that they would have, Adam Dewey, is probably going to miss a big chunk of next year. The best option they've got as a replacement for him has been sent off to Panthers. That's Dane Laurie. Yep. They've got next to nobody available to play in the halves next year. Nobody. That's why you see at the moment, Coruscant is playing 60% of his game at first receiver. Yeah. There's no one there. And, and the Tigers and, attack has been looking good because of, but, you know, he shouldn't be doing that. That's fucking stupid. And, and this is what gets me about Benji Marshall is that, He's got a lot of, and I understand Benji Marshall's competitive, right? And I understand that there's nothing more that Benji Marshall would love than to take this Tigers team and turn it around. But he has a lot of people around him at that club that should be doing better by him. And they basically are putting him in one of the worst situations I can think of for a rookie coach to take over. You know, two-time wooden spoon club that hasn't made the finals. And what will it be, like 12, 13 years by next season. Um, so it'll be the, well, 12 years this year. Third, it, next year will be the 13th. And as, as we were talking about a, a couple of episodes ago, like they're starting to get towards that level that the Penrith Panthers were at when they entered the competition in 1967. They didn't make their first finals until 1985. Like, and, and that was catastrophically bad for so long. This is a team that has a salary cap in place that then has another $2 million bucks they get on top of that salary cap to help them with other expenses. You know, there is zero reason. They've got the second biggest junior development base in all of Sydney. There's zero reason for them to be this bad. And yet here we are. And they're, they're 
doing a long march towards that Panthers terrible run. It's outrageous. And they're going to hand that to Benji Marshall and then dare say that they want him to be the, the next great coach. There's no way Benji will be able to do that. And but the people around Benji Marshall should say to him, mate, if you want to, if you really want to be a coach, and you really want to help this Tigers team, get out of the Tigers right now. Go somewhere else. Go anywhere else. Learn to be a coach under a, a coach that isn't failing, that isn't winning wooden spoons. You know, go to Penrith. Just go to Penrith and be at like one of however many assistant coaches they've got, and be there for a couple of years. You'll get a job somewhere. Could have gone to New Zealand for a year. Under yep. Andrew Webster, who he knows. Yeah, yeah. Could have gone up to fine. the Dolphins under Wayne Bennett, you know. It's, who he also something. knows. Just, no one's not – if Benji Marshall calls a club tomorrow and says, I'm interested in being an assistant coach there next year, every single club in the competition would embrace him. Oh, hell but yeah. it's not – this isn't the job for Benji Marshall to take over. And the people around him should be really bloody ashamed of themselves for – not throwing themselves on that grenade for Benji Marshall. And that's the thing about Tim Sheens. He's put Benji in a terrible situation right now. And there's, I can't believe he would do that to him. The thing for me now is Tim Sheens is the only person that Benji Marshall's had a chance to learn anything from. Mm. What, what exactly has he learnt? Like how much of the Tim Sheens crap that he's currently infested in the team so badly that they can't they can't manage three wins from you know they can only manage three wins from 21 games well how much of that shit well how much of that shit carries over and how much is benji going to be able to to change or fix or rectify because i i can't see how how benji can in any way make any improvement here. He's on a hiding to nothing, and I genuinely fear that he is going to get arseholed within maybe two or three seasons at best. They'll sack him, and they'll get someone else in, and they'll just keep going round and round and round and round. Mm -hmm. They should have stuck with Maguire all along. Yeah. But now we've got this. And it's, you know, they're not going to change the culture of the club because it's been there for over 10, 10 years. Um and, and you know the fish rots from its head. It's all the management. It's the board and the CEO, and unfortunately they can't be voted out by supporters because it's a joint venture. I I wonder if the way to do it, if you're a Tigers supporter, is become a a member of the Magpies, and then vote those board members out, and, and pressure the club that way because it's basically the Magpies that are. In control of the joint venture, mate. The and way ho- they're running, the way they're performing, they're already the magpies. So they're getting what they want. They've finally got their NRL team back. Yeah, and th- you know what? There's something to be said about that because this, if you, they were called the West Magpies, we'd all be looking at it saying, "Well, this has been their history for the last, you know, thirty, forty years. This is Keep what going. you expect out the magpies. They've only had a few blips in their existence: the '30s and the '60s. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. The rest of it, they've been struggling to get into the eights. So they might occasionally make it, but a lot of that time, they've been battling at the bottom of the ladder. And they, for a lot of that period, never needed to. Um, you think back to those first thirty, forty years. 
they had no competition in all of the Western suburbs, and that was still growing out there then. And yeah. that included Penrith back then. Like yeah, they had all like that whole West- Penrith area up until 1966. Yeah, like, and, and Western Suburbs back then was pretty far east. <laughs> what they called Western Suburbs, too. Yeah. So. so it's... And it still struggled. Yeah. Um, and as I said before, that was Balmain, very small area, very condensed. It was in the middle of the, the CBD sort of area for those, not, you know, 80s and 90s, when they were probably their last genuine peak period. And the Tigers... Have a record. Every decade, they will make the finals at least once. Every single decade. But this West Tigers side doesn't have that record. So they're, they're resembling a lot more of West Magpies than they are Balmain Tigers. So, I, I you want... know, Magpies have got what they wanted. This is this is what they want. So I hope they're happy. Yeah. This Except that weirdly, for whatever reason, they completely reject their their home base down in Campbelltown. Well, I they kind of... I mean, the Magpies did that for a while. I just, but I don't... They did, but I, I... I don't understand. There's not many smart decisions that this club makes at all. In fact, well, I struggle to find one. Well, let's be honest. If it hadn't have been for the Newtown Jets suggesting that they would play Campbelltown, mm. the Magpies never would have got there. They've gone, oh, yeah, Campbelltown, that's an area. How about we take that ground instead? And yeah. then, you know, twist the knife in Newtown's back while they go. Fucking Newtown's idea saved the magpies at their own expense. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, it's, it, this sounds weird, but if you gave the licence to Newtown tomorrow, I bet that they wouldn't be wooden spooners next year. They would find a way to survive. Yeah. Because um, it's what they've done their whole fucking existence. They've got a bit of a similarity with, with the Magpies in I think they've got the same number of premierships, mm. which is four. But West have a lot more wooden spoons than Newtown. Yeah, yeah. And, and Newtown, after they they did find themselves out the top league, like they did something I think most people didn't expect, and that's that they survived, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's been impressive, and you look at what they do on mat, match days now. They've created a niche for themselves that they could build upon. Um, the thing that gets me about the West Tigers at the moment is if you, I don't see where they go from here outside of the club being bought by a private investor and just taken off of the Magpies, and you just move them down into that Macarthur region. Yeah. You know, if you still call them the Tigers, maybe you update the logo, add a little bit of different colours to their logo or something. I'm not sure, but that's the only way forward I really see for the club. I can't see it happening through the Western Suburbs Magpies part of the joint venture. The Balmain side basically doesn't exist anymore. Um, I say this. Yeah. Right. Do everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Base them entirely in Campbelltown. Mm-hmm. Call them the Magpies, mm-hmm. and let the new team coming in. If there's a new team in Perth, call them the Perth Tigers. But they are in no way affiliated with Balmain or the West Tigers. But they can have those colours because black and orange, sort of black and yellow, kind of 
there's a few similarities with those colours over in the WA. Yeah, you, and you could change the. I mean, tigers are kind of. You could change it to black and orange. You could change it, sorry, to black and yellow, and still call them the tigers, and it would work. You know. Yeah. Lighten it up a bit. You could do that. Absolutely, but a, a tiger is a very marketable um, logo mascot. You know all that look, sort of stuff. Look, there's there's two smart things they've done, done in their entire history. Number one, kept the tiger's name because, as you say, it's marketable. And number two, sign a young Kiwi bloke and get him playing footy up in the on the Gold Coast <laughs> for a high school team. That's the two smart things they have done in their whole history. Outside of that. It's been a fucking just one big failure after another. An abject failure. Mm. But but a series of abject failures, each more abject and more failure than the last one. Yeah, yeah. It's like they sit down, they're mapping out, right, say, right, we've now had this massive fuck up. What can we do to trump that to make the last one not look so bad? Because if people look back and go, oh, that one wasn't so bad in the end, that'll in turn make us not look so bad. Because I mean, we just it, keep reminding them of the bad decisions in the past that now mm. don't look so bad compared to the current one. And then we just we keep having bigger ones. The ones in the past all look smaller, which would in turn make the current one look smaller than what it currently is. That's that's the way they're looking at it. <laughs> they even managed to do a behind-the-scenes look at the club a couple of years ago that made the club look foolish and made the people running it look like idiots. And, like, I will never forget Michael Maguire like basically begging this team to put in and, to, and 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 then they show the shot of the team and there's zero coming from the players, like absolutely nothing coming out of the players. And it like that really showed that that culture is just part of the club at such a deep level that no matter who you put in there, it's not going to change. They've got Appy Cross there who's having his best season of his entire career coming off of a couple of premierships at Penrith, playing out of his skin. And it's not it doesn't rub off on everyone, you know? Appy Cross is out there playing a lone hand. That sort of stuff does not rub off on the rest of the club. You don't just lift everyone up. It, it doesn't work that way. And... You know, all of these low standards are set by someone and they, them low standards have been set by the board and they've been set by the CEO and they've been in place for a, a decade. And the thing that is crazy to me is that like after after 10 years of not making the finals, you would think that there'd be some sort of bounce. You know? <laughs> You'd uh, bounce it was because the they said it's a new era. They, it, yeah, and you can't just declare stuff. <laughs> you can't just say stuff and it happens. Like, But you were at the end of this horrible period in the club's history. And what have we got? We've got a wooden spoon. They've won three games. They're going to have a rookie coach who's a former great that's going to take over, and that never ends well. No. It, it's like, it's as it's... though this should be the start of the bad period, and it's not. No. The players, as we saw in that documentary, they're so disinterested in anything any coach has to say to them. If it was 12th century England, they wouldn't be able to... You wouldn't get a giggle at them when Ronald the Farter came out and started doing his work on uh, Christmas Day. I don't know that part of history, Andrew. You don't know that one? Oh, mate. No. Ronald the, Roland the Farter, he's a great one, man. 
So he would he would get um he was obligated to come in and perform um a, a song for the king. I think it was King Henry the Second as the court jester, and he had to sing it using farts. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. He's a a um what's the term? A medieval flatulist or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's when occupations peaked right there. It's been all yeah. fucking downhill since then. It sounds like he could be the CEO of the Tigers in this era. Tell you what, if he came along and he just farted at press conferences, he'd actually be produce, producing a lot more content. Mm-hmm. It'd be making a lot more people happy. Mm-hmm. And it'd probably actually have a lot more substance to it. And it would probably be a bit more inspirational than whatever it is the current fuckwits are doing. It amazes me that, like, always beware of someone that's got a special hat. Just all, like, anybody that has a special hat is weird. Have you ever yes. noticed that? Someone that yeah, has, like, yeah, yeah. they get around and, and they're, they're well, like, they're the dude in the flat cap. It's because, it's because they have zero anything, personality, yeah. anything. And so yeah. they need the hat to do all that heavy lifting for them. Yeah. Everyone goes, oh, all the attention goes to the hat. Oh, you're wearing a hat. That's an interesting hat. Why are you wearing that hat? The whole conversation is about the fucking hat. It's a distraction from the fact that they've got nothing to offer the conversation outside of the hat. Mm-hmm. So maybe the hat should be taking over from Chairman Lee because it's doing all the work at the moment. Yeah. So if you do worse. At what point do you think the Tigers are? Um, like how far away do you think they are from hiring Matthew Elliott? Oh, or have they? Has that has that opportunity passed? Have they gone past that window? I mean, Matthew Elliott's probably getting on a little bit now. I look if his name come up, you could well, see you could see where they because Matthew Elliott, I think, does uh, commentary for the ABC. He does. Do you think the Tigers are in such a bad place that if mm. Matthew Elliott became coach, he would actually improve them? He might, actually. <laughs> he might. He wouldn't do worse. He wouldn't do worse. Oh, sorry, I was just banging my head on the table. It's, it's like, I tell you, I put it this way, right? Matthew Elliott wasn't worse than Nathan Brown at the uh, at the Warriors, right? Nathan, like. Matthew Elliott was bad, but he was consistently bad. Whereas Nathan Brown, like, was not only embarrassing, but like, just was d- dropping bombshells and stuff, and just ruining shit around him. Um, at least Matthew Elliott would be consistently bad. But at le- and the other thing is Matthew Elliott has a consistently bad coaching philosophy, so at least that would be in place. Hmm. Like but, it, I think, but I think his consistently bad philosophy would be an improvement to the Tigers. Yeah, at least it would be a philosophy. <laughs> it's something to work around. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's the philosophy of the West Tigers right now? They're, like, it's just like... Don't be late. Let's grab anyone we can, no matter what red flags they've got attached to them. You don't... You don't I mean, we're not even looking at flags. Is he currently signed to a club? Yeah. If the answer is no, yeah. sign them. If the answer is yes, make them an offer. Like, I mean, the big recruitments for next year, Jaden Sullivan from 
from the Dragons, who are terrible, and he's not in the side. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know if they've finally secured Aiden Caesar, but are you fucking serious, Aiden Caesar? They're, they're pretty close, apparently. I was actually watching Josh Schuster play for Manly. Yeah. And, and he is the most West Tigery West Tiger. It, it, like him and Matt Moylan are really going to have to fight it out for that five eight spot. There's no reason why you can't have both. Yeah. Well, that's what Manly had tried. <laughs> that's what Manly, Manly signed shoes to a big long-term deal to play 5-8 and immediately signed a dude to play 5-8. <laughs> Fucking geniuses. Well, the thing is, they did buy the recruitment and retention guy that used to be at the West Tigers. Mm. If if there's one club out there that's making more intentionally stupid decisions than the Tigers at the moment, it's Manly. And they just swapped. They swapped it's like they're intentionally dude. trying to help the Tigers out. And I don't know why. Well, like, what's in it for you, man? Like, <laughs> I just I don't understand how they managed to swap recruitment people. Okay, here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Should the NRL step in? And I don't know how you step in if you're the NRL because you can't do salary cap stuff. You can't sign players. Do you? Do you go to the to the Magpies and say you've got eighteen months to turn this around? In... No, no, no. That, I'm with you. Instead of coming in and say we're going to give you an ultimatum, they're going to come in and say we're going to do a review of the club because we, the NRL, have been investing a lot of money in this club, and this is the only club that we can say over the last decade is an abject failure. Yeah. And for the benefit of our ratings, our crowds. Marketing, everything. We need all our teams to be performing as competitively as possible. And this club is not. So we're going to do a review of the club from the NRL perspective to find out what it is that's wrong, whether it can be fixed, and if it can be fixed, we will make the fix. Take it out of any independent person. Take it out of the West Tigers' hands and let the club know the NRL's in charge we will sort this shit out. They don't have to fix the club and, and pour money into it. Just go in and go, right, if we think that the board is not doing their job and they're failing in every aspect that matters to making this club better, the pathway system is not good, all that sort of stuff, we go, right, well, you people involved in all of this process for a period of time, I'm sorry, but you shit, fuck off. And the club can then go and have your meetings, right? We'll leave it in your hands. Go have meetings. And appoint new people for those roles. You've got the off-season to get it sorted. That's what needs to be done. It'll never happen, but that's the only way you can get it done. Yeah, I wonder if you could see them come in and say, we're giving you a set time frame. You have to hit these certain KPIs or your your club grant beyond what we give you under the salary cap is going to start to be reduced and give them a financial incentive to turn it around. Because, like, the West Tigers being this bad is costing everyone money. It's costing the Penrith Panthers money, you know. It's cost, costing the, the Broncos money. Everyone is losing money because this team is so horrible. Yeah, no one wants to watch the West Tigers play footy. No, no one, no one. And it's, you know, it can't just keep going on, and it has. It's gone on for 10 years. And That's right. Like, if 
there's key markets that are key markets in Sydney that are being serviced by this team. And if they're not doing their job, if they're not contributing to the National Rugby League, their their place in the National Rugby League has to be looked at and reviewed. And we have to look at if they're the right if they're the right organization to have this license. And that's I can't believe it. I, I wouldn't have never said this about a club, you know. But I think that we're at that point now for this West Tigers team. And it's not just about on field stuff, it's about their junior base gets neglected. They're they're playing at all these home fields all over the place and we've got Campbelltown who doesn't get enough enough games. And um that whole area down there is just a gold mine and someone's gonna mine it. And I want it to be rugby league mining it. Because if it's not rugby league, it will be someone else. There's already an A League club that's committed down to that area. And you know, eventually the AFL is going to look at it and say, "Hey, it, no one's no one's there, no one's there. We'll base ourselves and right near the airport. You know, it it's going to be, be another city. It won't be AFL that'll take. It'll be rugby union that goes in there, and that'll be a, a foothold for rugby union to get back into Sydney in the western suburbs because it's it's been basically non-existent out there for the best part of a few decades. Yeah, but it's, that it, will be the revenue back in there. Yeah, rugby rugby union. In, I mean, they think Parramatta's Western Sydney, and it's not healthy in Parramatta. Even, so. I, re- I reckon they think Glebe is Western Sydney. But yeah, it wouldn't shock me, hey? Wouldn't shock me. Ultimo? <laughs> I remember in high school, they at an assembly, they had some some dudes that played uh, rugby union for the Penrith rugby union team that was in the Sydney competition at the time. And they, they were, no one gave a fuck. <laughs> like, and I, I used to play footy in high school and we were watching these guys and we were like, I bet we could flog these fuckers. <laughs> so, oh, blokey, what's his name? And, and fella, who's it? What's it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's real well, guys. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, look, I, I think that it's, because I could see where the NRL gets to a point where they, they're getting towards the next TV deal, right? And they say, we're going to do a strategic plan for the game, which is a review of everything that we've got and what we need going forward. And that review coming out and saying, we need a team down in this Campbelltown, MacArthur region and that the West Tigers are not doing the job and that that's a license that we could move to Western Australia or Adelaide. And we give the Bulldogs that whole MacArthur region if they move from the, the the Olympic Stadium, which I think the Bulldogs would actually do. If you gave them that area, they'd have the second biggest area in Sydney by quite some way with their own area as well. And then, oh, they, yeah, absolutely, because they've got a pretty small juniors area as well. So yeah, they would definitely take it. The only problem they'd have is they they'd want to have a set. Um, permanent home and, I, and they should have a genuine newish stadium as their home ground that's what i was saying i remember saying many podcasts ago that yeah they should be trying to put a big stadium out near liverpool somewhere and yeah and that's where they were going to build that oasis project which mm. fell apart for many different reasons and rightfully so but so they were open to that like less than 20 years ago and so to look at that and know that the Bulldogs were open to it then, it, it would make the Sydney Rugby League like set up less messy. Um, it would make a lot of sense for the Bulldogs to go down and take over that area. 
there'd be a lot right with that. And and I've said, and, and moving a little bit away from the West Tigers a little bit, um, I think the next team is going to be PNG, and it's because there's many tens of millions of dollars backing that bid now from yeah. a lot of mining companies. But on top, more importantly, uh, the Australian government, the PNG government, and the United States government have backed that bid, and they're doing it in an effort to keep the Papua New Guinean government on side with uh, those nations rather than having other nations come in and offer lots of money and lots of international exposure. And so I think that I wouldn't be shocked if the PNG expansion bid gets announced before the end of the year. Like that, it's it's that far along, I believe. But it would also make sense. I mean, you think back to, let's have a look at, say, 1993-94. And Australia was clearly the most dominant country internationally, um, but specifically in the Pacific. Like, I remember, you know, the few times we played against Fiji, so we'd belt them 80-odd nil, you know, played against PNG and smashed them. We were even putting up pretty big scores against New Zealand occasionally in the early 90s. Bring the Warriors in. It just opened up a pathway for all those Pacific Islands to... Uh, players to get into the NRL they got better, they all got improved it wasn't immediate but not only was it just a gradual build, it was also it built the game and made it stronger throughout the whole nation and through all those generations as well, to the point where now it's hard to argue that nine of, or let's go with seven of the top eight test teams in the world are in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah it was a revolution. Yeah. And so getting PNG in there, it'd be like the um, the next big step. Because imagine it could only be about, you know, PNG comes in, it could be 10 years, and they'll be doing the same shit Samoa did in the last World Cup. Yeah. And, and look, they're already a, a very good international yeah. nation. Yeah. They've got a team that's playing in the Queensland Cup. We've seen all of the players that they've produced that are top-of-the-line players going back to even someone like a David Wesley, you know. Um, So, I mean, the the talent is there. My personal feeling is what they will do is they will give the the license to PNG, that they'll play their home games in PNG, but they'll, during the week, they'll be based in Cairns. And I think that they'll do that for operational purposes. I think they'll do that, do that because it'll be easier to attract talent to the club that way. Um, I think they'll probably play a game or two in Cairns. It might be away games technically that other teams play in Cairns, but I think that because obviously you want to play as many games in PNG. Um, And you think about how, like from the PNG government's point of view and all of these mining companies that are up their point of view, how many times is PNG in your living room in a week, in a month, in a year through your TV? It might be once or twice if you're lucky. What if it was every weekend? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a that's giant exposure for that country. It's not a country like ours. It is a very unique country. It's actually the country that has, mo- like, if you go by a percentage of all of the languages in the world, PNG has like sixty percent of all of the known languages in the world because of all of their different dialects. Um, 
there are places that are some of the most remote places on planet Earth are in PNG. But damn it, they play rugby league. It's the national sport there. They're very good at it. And we've talked about their players. The players aren't, they're not, they're not human beings. They're made out of teak. They're strong. They're hard as fuck. They are, they play a million miles an hour. They can play, they can play the game skillfully. They can play it smart and they can play it tougher than anyone else, just depending on what they need to do. They've already beaten Great Britain on, on, in, you know, PNG. So I, I think that they would come in, they wouldn't be wooden spooners. I think they'd come in and be really bloody good straight away. Oh, I, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think they'd make the finals, but I think that they do as well, if not better than the Dolphins. And, uh, it all everything's lining up behind PNG right now, and I think that we're going to see PNG get announced really soon. And it might be a case of they say PNG's coming in in say 2025, and then in 2027 it is going to be Perth. So I think that they'll do something like that. I'd imagine that there'd be three teams they want to bring in because they'd want to have an even number. Yeah, and three teams means you can have a top ten. Not that I condone that, but that's what they do. Yeah. Um. So PNG Perth, where would the the third expansion team be? Adelaide is pretty straightforward, but it's got to be New Zealand. It has to be. I'm with you on that. I think it's got to be New Zealand because then you can have a game in New Zealand every week, mm-hmm. and that time zone is an absolute win. Yeah. Absolute win. Um, and you look at the Warriors. The Warriors crowds right now are gigantic and going yeah. off their heads for eighty minutes, right? And I think you could start a, another New Zealand team for next season, and it would be pretty good. Oh, absolutely! Warriors have got one of the top four average home crowds for the year. Yeah, what have we got here so far? Brisbane's obviously top with 32,000. Um, the Dolphins with 23. The Roosters, yeah. We'll, we'll go with the official figures for now. Yeah. 22,903. The Warriors, 22,027. And I tell you what, if, if they get a home final, oh, that, place will be, that place will be fucking romping. Yeah. Uh, like, they haven't got a stadium big enough. <laughs> no. Um, it, it's they could just you could start a team there for next season, and I think they'd be fine. They wouldn't go worse than the fucking West Tigers. No, that's right. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Maybe there should be a team make the West Tigers more West. Like put them push, at Bathurst. Push them all the way. Isn't it? Make yeah. them even Dubbo. Dubbo Tigers. Dabo Tigers. Push, I reckon push them all the way to Perth. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The way they're playing at the moment, I'd be happy if you just pushed them somewhere out near Cuba Petey. <laughs> <laughs> Stick them in one of those houses under the ground and shut the door. Throw away the key. Put them somewhere no one knows what's going on <laughs> and no one cares. Tamworth. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really it's tight, it's weird that we've got this competition where we can say PNG, 
probably going to be in next, but we have to have a team in Perth and we have to have a team in, in Auckland and they're going to be successful and they tick all of these boxes and stuff. And then you look at the West Tigers and you're like, what are we doing with this license? Yeah. Cause it's, it's 12 million bucks a year being burnt on a team that is doing nothing. And, and have, haven't even been in the hunt for years. No. You know, we used to joke all the time about the Tigers being ninth. How yeah, mm. that was a joke. Do you know how many times they've actually been ninth since they last made the finals in 2010? 2010. It's, I'm going to say four times. Three. You were three. saying three. I was going to say three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And 20, like 2016, 2018, 2019. So um, Jason Taylor's for, uh, second year there. And then Ivan Cleary's first year. Not, not, yeah, the, his first year was 2017 when he took over from Taylor when that was an absolute mess, and he lost the so-called Big Four. No, he's one and only real full season there. Um, improved their defense immensely. That was one of their best defensive years ever, and they finished with 12 wins and 12 losses, their best record since they made the finals. And then the last one was 2019, the following year with Michael McGuire as coach. And uh, it's been... 10th, 15th, 13th, 15th, 14th, 11th, 13th, 16th, and 17th, around that. It's terrible. I mean, so so bad. Just swimming around in the bottom six or seven the whole time, basically. So it's like, so they haven't been in the finals for 11 straight years, right? 12 straight years. 12 straight years? Okay, 12 mm. straight years. The And we said Penrith's was, what, 18. So they've got yeah. six more years to get there. They're not making the finals next year. Oh God, no! So, like, it's it's close. I, I'd be, look. I'd be confident saying they're not making the finals for as long as David Nofaluma is contracted to the club. <laughs> What's he's got another three years left, hasn't he? Three or four. <laughs> Once he's gone, there's a chance. There's a chance. And uh, that's my hot take. You can probably hold that to hold, hold me to that one. I reckon I'll be pretty solid on that one. It's Any markets the, on that? <laughs> I know, right? It's it's like, the, and we, we were looking at the longest tenured players not long ago. It's like Norfoluma, uh, Clemmer. Now it's Appy as well, Appy Corosia. It, it, it's insane. It's so insane. Oh, yeah. There's nothing that tells them about what the club's doing. No. And there's no, no plan, no structure, no focus, no leadership. They've got nothing. And no accountability. Like Zero. no one, no one is at the end of this season like looking and saying, "Well, if if you don't make it to the finals this year, CEO is out." Yeah. That no one, no one are in the management's under any obligation to succeed. None at all. They've only had three seasons in their entire history where they've won more games than they've lost. That's in. That, that's almost impossible in a salary cap era. That's in 23 years. Only three of them that had more wins and losses. <laughs> that really is uh, very Western Suburbs Magpies-like, isn't it? It really is. Wow. It really is. Um, so, yeah. They suck. Yeah. They suck. I, so, can't, um, I can't imagine what it's like. I know you're a, you're a supporter of the club. I, I just can't imagine it. Well, you get 
you get numb to it after a while. Yeah. Yeah. You start watching other sport. Yeah. And other teams playing. Just just to just so you stay calm. Yeah. Because well, you also get to the point now where up until probably last year, watching the Tigers play was frustrating. Yeah. Because more often than not, they were still like they weren't terribly off the pace. This is like when Michael McGuire was still coach. They weren't horribly off the pace. Like they were no chance of making the finals. Don't get me wrong. But they weren't a team that looked like they were going to get absolutely fucked every bloody time they ran out into the field. And you had somewhat of a semblance of hope going, you know what, we might be able to jag one here. Because you could see there was a bit of a structure in play of what they were doing with, with Maguire's coach. If we play with this game, you know, this game plan just might work for us. Tonight. We might just get this done. We might be competitive. And there's a little bit of optimism there. Not not stupid optimism, just enough that you weren't going to get embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can, yeah, if that's the starting point as part of your rebuild, that's okay as part of your rebuild. It wasn't part of the rebuild, though. It was just coasting. Yeah. And so it was never good enough. But now, watch them play. You run out. There's there's no structure. There's just no semblance of plan or anything. It's just like, oh, okay, we've got the ball now. Oh, we dropped it. Oh, well, let's just tackle now. And they just they break so easily. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to apply pressure to them. They're just, you know they're going to break. They slide so slow. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a few random players in the defensive line that do random things, which you cannot. You cannot have a Mm. functioning defense work with that going on. So Nofalum is the worst because he makes horrible decisions and he makes them too early Mm -hmm. or way too late. Um, and what he should be doing is the same thing every time. doesn't matter how consistent he does it or if he gets beat by a winger a few times and he lets in a few tries. But if he's doing the same thing every time, you can change your defensive structure to support him. And the thing about wingers is they've got an imaginary defender on their outside. It's called the sideline. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So you use it, but he doesn't because he comes in so far. He takes the sideline away from being an asset. Yeah. And most most wingers are designed so that their their strong shoulder that they tackle with is on the you know, it's on the inside. So you got the sideline doing all the hard work on your on your weak side. Your beauty, it's just a line on the ground doing all the hard work over there. They've got to run towards my strong shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking win. And mm-hmm. he somehow finds a way to make it a loss. Yeah. It, and it, Fucking gets me every time. I just don't know how he manages it. It's it's staggering, and yet he has fans. Yeah, I don't get that. It's it's weird when you have a poor club and people get behind someone that you you watch week in week out, and you're like, why are you acting like we should be building around this guy? Like the fact that this guy is someone that is not one of our worst players is why we're so bad. Cause in any other team, he's the worst player. Yeah. It's uh, Bateman's another one. He, he doesn't oh. do a lot. He doesn't do a lot horribly wrong, but he I does think he barely. Makes so, any... I seriously think he makes so many fuck ups in a game. I really he's... do. How many times does he kick the ball this year? He does that a lot. But the thing is, as far as, 
the basics are concerned, especially being in the defensive line, stuff like that, and running the right lines and stuff, he doesn't do a huge amount wrong. But the problem we have with him, he's being paid a lot of money, and he barely does much that's exceptionally good. He's doing the same stuff that you can get a 19-year-old to come in and do on minimum salary. And they like, brought him in especially to do that. Like, Yeah, like there's, there's – you could get Schuster to come over – and he'd do exactly the same thing. Yeah, and you yeah. could get some guy who's, you know, playing in SG ball to come in at the age of 17, and he'd do exactly the same thing. He's not doing anything that's fucking unique that deserves the money that he's been getting, all the bloody accolades that he seems to get for whatever the hell it is he thinks he's doing. Yeah, I don't I don't understand it. I, commentators love talking about him, and I watch him, and I'm like, this guy's not a first grader. He was vastly better when he was at Canberra. And that's not to say that he was brilliant there, but he mm. was vastly better at camera than what he is here. Mm-hmm. I um, agree. He's atrocious. Um, I had high hopes for Clemmer. Um, he hasn't been atrocious, but he hasn't exactly been setting the world on fire either. He's just been like, he's been better than Tormalolo, but it's not exactly much of a fucking measuring stick, is it? Tormalolo? No, not Tormalolo. Um, what was that called? Tarmow. Oh, ta- yeah, Tarmel. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. What the hell was he doing there? <laughs> um, yeah, but, you're um, right. You're right. Like if Clem, if if you found out Clemmer was running around for fucking Blacktown for the last two years, it wouldn't shock you because that's the sort of level he's played at. Like there's a reason the Newcastle Knights wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. The fucking yeah. Newcastle Knights. Yeah. Um, Papa Lee has a lot of potential, but he's just been parked too wide. And you can see you, you can see him in the last few weeks because he tries hard. He does, but you can see that you, it's it just it's going to get here eventually, where you're busting your ass and you're running lines and shit, and nothing's coming of it, and eventually it's going to drag you back. For too long at the start of the year, they were parking so fucking wide. He was on the bloody um, the Bateman corridor. He was out that wide on the other side <laughs> of the field. And you're like, why have you got him out there for? He yeah. runs fucking great lines, and he's got great footwork at the line. Bring him in closer to the edge. Yeah. And no, he's so wide. Um, Coruscant moving out from being a dummy half all the time has brought Papali'i back into the play, and that's why he's looked a lot better these last few weeks. Mm. Um, Coruscant's using him really well. Um, but yeah, there's just there's a lot of young guys there, um, which Sheens will point to and say, "Look at all these young guys that got in there." And going, yeah, name a few that look like they're going to be few, you know, future NRL players. Well, the, it's like at the fullback, the uh, the young fullback Buller. Mm. He's okay so far, you know. He's not done too much bad for a, for a kid yeah. in his rookie year. Yeah, and and you've got to be careful that you. Like that's the that's the start that's the point you want him to be at that he's yeah. not making mistakes and he's he's doing that he's fine but you don't know if he's going to turn into anything yet like it's it's not like a Reese Walsh who for his first remember his first game of first grade you were like oh yeah he's got it he's fine yeah he'll be this fine. kid this kid's fine yeah yeah um they've got the second biggest junior base in Sydney we should be talking about half a dozen of them. Yeah. And we're yeah. not. No, because most of them are coming from that junior base. Yeah. 
Who's they've got there? Let's see. There's uh, Asu Kepawawa from Auckland. Tommy Talau. Yutika Manu from over in New Zealand. Um, Ruatapu Natakaura. He hasn't played a game yet, but he's from Campbelltown. Mm-hmm. I think he might have played last year once or twice. Stafford Towers from Auckland and played at Newcastle. Sean Bloor from Penrith. Penrith, yeah, he's a Penrith junior. Yeah. Charlie Stays from Forbes. Yeah. I guess that's West Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jake Simpkin from Toowoomba. Um, Tuki Sitkins from Rotorua. He hasn't played this year. I think he played a few games last year and he played for, he went to the Cowboys for a year or two as well. Uh, Fanua Pole from Wellington. They're, they're not bringing too many through the junior ranks in Sydney. No. No. So, and I know Tim Sheen's, look, I've not read the press conference or seen anything he spoke about, but he loves going on about how much he does for the local juniors and all sort of stuff. So I dare say he probably banged on about how great the work is he's been putting in for the juniors' pathways and stuff like that. And you're going, where are they? Yeah. It's, you know, in a junior a junior system like that, it should be at, at not quite the level Penrith is at, but that sort of thing where if you start picking juniors out of it, you're going to hit some, you know, stars just because there's that many of them. Mm. Uh, and See, it's, it's not happening. Well, they've only used 28 players this year, the Tigers. Which is, the you know, most clubs are using at least 30. Mm. 30 to 35 is that, that's sort of the area where most clubs sit. Um, that's pretty much accounting for injuries, mid-season transfers, that sort of stuff. So 28 players the Tigers have used this year. And um, two of them, I think, sorry, one of one of them changed clubs. That was off of Hengawi. Malmolo retired, at the, retired or changed clubs at the start of the year? Can't remember. He hasn't Who played ta- this year. Who? Malmolo. Uh, oh yeah, that's a good question. Where did he go? Did he retire? I think he retired. Okay. No, no, he's playing for Burley in the uh, Queensland Cup. All right. That's a that's a strange one because I remember when they got him and it was like, what are they? Why are they chasing a a winger? <laughs> like. They do that. That's so weird. <laughs> they do that. Um, so, yeah, they've got, to be honest, that they need to clean out their upper management. I mean, I, I said this before, like years before, and I said this when um, when they decided to give um, past coaches the sack. They said before they appoint any new coaches – Get rid of the board because the people who just sacked this guy were the ones who hired him only a short time ago. Yeah. If they are now saying he's the worst coach this club could have and we should get someone else, then that shows you just how good they are at their job if they've gone and hired the wrong person to start with. And then it took them three years to decide that that was the wrong idea. Mm. But everything about that is horrible. And they're the same people who hired the previous coaches and sacked them as well. So they obviously don't know what they're doing. So why get them to decide who the next coach should be? And they shouldn't is, be doing it. So sack those people before you hire the next coach. And this is where Benji Marshall's in an unwinnable position because what the board and the CEO will do is they'll say, we didn't pick Benji Marshall. That was Tim Sheens. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to be super, super sackable. 
and he'll be the relief valve when all of them keep in their jobs, you know? Um, if, if, if they're in this position next year, I wouldn't be shocked if Benji's sacked. Yeah, I, I wouldn't actually even be surprised if he walked. I think because... the only I, I think the only reason he wouldn't is because of that competitive thing, and I, I like he obviously loves the West Tigers because if he didn't, he wouldn't be there, right? That that's right. But he, I I think that he the thing that makes these people so competitive is that they all think that they can do the job, and I I like he might technically be the greatest coach in the world. I think if you put Wayne Bennett there, he wouldn't be able to do anything with this club. Well, no. I mean, we saw when Bennett went to Newcastle, how that turned out. Um, I think the problem Benji's going to have, and I'm not comparing them as players, mm-hmm. but the problem Benji's going to have as a coach is going to be very similar to that that Wally Lewis had as a coach. Mate, I, that's exactly what I line him up with, eh? And it's going to be along the lines of, when they were both playing, if their team was going shit, they knew that they could do something that no one else could that would get their team back in the game. But mm-hmm. when they're a coach, they're fucking helpless. Yeah. Like, they know. if they, They're sitting in their head going, if I was on the field, I'd do this because they knew it would work and they could get it done. But they can't get that through to the heads of someone else because no one else has the freakish ability that these once-in-a-generation players had. As and that's said, why... Yeah. I was that, say, as well, I said, I'm not comparing them as players, but just comparing that mindset and the freakish nature that they have. Yeah, and, and you can't teach that. No. Like, if you could teach that, there'd be dozens of those players running around. And If you could teach that, Andrew Johns would be the State of Origin coach and he'd have not lost a single fucking Origin game. Ex- exactly. But exactly. he's trash. You know, you, you think of all of the great players that had that ability to take over a game single-handedly, and there's not many of them. Like, and it's take over a game single-handedly against the best of the best of the best. Mm. You know, stand head and shoulders above everyone. You know, Darren Lockyer would be the greatest coach in history. Yeah. You know, there's a reason Brad Fittler's not a good coach, and he yeah. was one of those players, one of the yeah. few of those players. Laurie Daly's another one, you know. Yep, Peter Sterling. Peter Sterling. Even, look, even Ricky Stewart has struggled with it. Yeah. But, the big success Stewart had as a coach was when he had Phil Gould helping him out at the Roosters. Yeah. And, and they they were, like, coming off of the back of, uh, oh, and I forget his name. He was the he was a, a, the Roosters coach after Phil Gould, and Phil Gould didn't like was, him. Was it Mark Murray? No, no, no. It was, um, he ended up coaching the women's team, and he passed away about eight years ago. Oh. I can see his face. Yeah, I... Murray? That's the same. Was it Mark Murray? Mark Murray? Graham Murray? Graham Murray. Graham Murray, is it? I think, I think it was. I'm, I think I'm thinking Graham Murray, yeah. Because he was... They were good under Graham Murray, and then they sacked him, and the, the next guy in was Stuart Neon in his first season. Yeah. And it was a little bit like... um. The same thing happened with Michael Hagen. That's right, yeah. Coming after Warren Ryan, and all the Newcastle players didn't like Warren Ryan because nope. he was this like coach from a completely different era. <laughs> didn't give a fuck about any of these guys, right? Worked their asses off, told them to forget about throwing the ball around. It's about defence. And then he left, and the next year they won. And 
a lot of that work was because of what the walk had done with them. And and we saw that Michael Hagan wasn't a good coach. Like it, it just, that panned out over time. So, yeah. You, I mean, you someone can't... should have, someone should have recorded just, you know, one full season of walks, um, dressing room rants at halftime and full time. Just record them. And then at halftime and full time for all West Tigers games next year, just have a cable cut out of him there. And just play. And just press play. Well, can, can you imagine what it was like for him to coach the fucking Johns brothers? <laughs> like, oh, there's a reason. There's a reason why they split up not long after that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he just he said. Must... There's more to the game than scoring fucking points. Like, you've got to stop him coming in as well. Because I remember he said this same thing, like, when he went to the Bulldogs as yeah. coach in the early 80s. Yeah. He said they were known as the entertainers. Yeah. But for every every try they scored, they – or, sorry, for every point they scored, they conceded almost one point. So when they got to the end of the year on the ladder, they might have had six, seven, eight wins more than losses, but their points difference was so small, it meant, like – Absolutely nothing. Like you're letting in tries all the time. You've got to get your defense better. Yeah. And he's a large reason around that um, iconic Bulldogs defense that happened in the 80s where no one could score points against them. Yeah. And, and they and got into grand finals on the base of that base of that defense. That's why when players say they love a coach and they're not in a good team, I don't care because sometimes you need someone to come in and tell you what you don't want to hear. Yeah, and you're gonna ha- and I understand why you hate it. You know, if you're an attacking player, and you've got this, especially with say Warren Ryan, who's just like he he's not a people person, you know, <laughs> like most coaches, and he's he's like saying like all oh, your attack is great, but it doesn't matter for shit because you can't defend. And if you feel as though you're a star player who's you know performing and stuff, you. Because you're competitive, you're like, fuck you, you know, and you don't like it. But yeah. sometimes you've got to hear that stuff you don't want to hear. That's right. That's right. Um, look, I just think the Tigers have got to be in a spot now where, seriously, they've got to start trying to two wrongs to make a right. And I'm not talking about the ball because they've already got two wrongs there and that's not making a right. I'm talking about on the field. Mm. So maybe they need to bring in two coaches. New South Wales rugby league style. Oh yeah, I'm I'm thinking Brian Smith, Nathan Brown. Oh my God, just yeah, just drop a, a, a atomic bomb on the club and tear it apart. Between the two of them, they clean everything out. They turn everyone against everybody there, and no one want to be involved with that club anymore. And so when they leave, there'll be not a single fucking human there other than yeah. the lady at the front office answering phones. Nothing's left. I think that's pretty rough on Brian Smith. I think he's all right. No, he's all right, but he knows how to do a clean-out of the right people. Yeah, right? that's true. He knows but, what he's doing. Yeah. He knows Nathan how Brown just cleans the shit out. He's that's just right. like, yeah. let's get rid so, of everything. So you get Brian Smith in first. He cleans out the people who you know are wrong and they don't need to be there because he knows how to get that shit sorted. Mm-hmm. And then you get Nathan Brown in there to just clean everything out. He's basically bleach. <laughs> He's bleach, Nathan Brown. Come in, just bleach the place. And Brian Smith goes, well, fuck you. And Nathan Brown goes, well, fuck you. And then they have a slapping contest and then they both leave. And they go, right. I'm just trying to think who would. It's uh... day one. It's, it's January 1, the year 2000. How would this team look now? <laughs> And I'm serious. I think that they just need to be bought by someone. What if uh, 
Gene Reinhardt just buys them and moves them to <laughs> Perth. <laughs> oh, she wouldn't, though. Yeah, I don't think she's interested in rugby league. I know she likes sport, but not rugby. Well, she's not. She, it's like I don't. I, I've never heard about her spending money in rugby league anyway. Or spending money. I've heard her spend. Well, remember, she was gonna. She was back in the uh, women's netball team, and then the women's netball team started blowing up about her. And I, I don't have any idea why. But so she just withdrew her money. I think it was something to do with her business interests and how they weren't okay. really good for the environment or some shit. Okay, so well, yeah, while they were all fucking flying around the world and using mobile phones with the same <laughs> shit that's dug out the ground. And so she just took her money out and she's actually thinking about uh, financially backing the Commonwealth Games, hey, to, like, basically underfunding it. Is that, do you reckon, is that a PR thing or is that something she genuinely thinks she's going to make money out of? I don't think she's looking to make money. I think that she's trying to do keep, some good PR for herself. Keep in mind, yeah, like the, there'll be tax reasons, which is fair. That's fine. But keep in mind, she is so rich that if she lost $100 million on the Commonwealth Games, she probably wouldn't feel it. Oh, of course not. It's you know. not, and this is not about her, whether she'd be able to afford it or not. Of course she can. No. Yeah. But she'd be doing it for a reason – um, to do with her own interests somewhere. You think so? So, Although, so probably to get government funding or to get, as you said, a tax break or something like that. Well, yeah, Grace Wills or, or, or hide some shit somewhere. <laughs> but there's no way that um, any games would be would allow themselves for to be funded entirely by a mining magnate. The, the these global games things now they're a bit too woke. You reckon? But, yeah, they won't we, go for that. We, we had a sock fucking men's soccer world cup played in like sand. Yeah, it was yeah, but that's that sand didn't have blood on it. It had dead bodies under it, but it didn't have blood on it. So it that's had, different. It's not as brutal. What about the fucking Sochi Olympics? They they had a fucking winter Olympics games in a seaside resort that was fucking tropical. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> no, I think that with, if you back them for money, they'll they'll do whatever the like. We we have a Formula One race in fucking Bahrain. Uh, Formula One's a bit different because they are quite corrupt. <laughs> oh, that's allegedly. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Andrew! <laughs> Fuck. They're not taking races to Azerbaijan while having a war with the Armenians. <laughs> that was I, fine, but when the Russians start having a war with the Ukrainians, oh, we better not go there. I'm fucking pick your wars, eh? We're we're fucking rugby league people. We can't even get a we can't even get a World Cup played in France. <laughs> That's right. Why doesn't Gina Reiner fund the fucking rugby league World Cup? Yeah. Gina, can you just look at rugby league for a second? It's pretty good, man. Fuck the Commonwealth Games. Australia wins all the medals. You know the answer, okay? Let's just go to the rugby league World Cup. I mean, fucking. What's the into that? Dally Cherry Evans is basically Haley Lewis. It's the same thing. Yeah. Comes from Queensland. They've got arms. <laughs> I mean, that's basically, they're basically twins at this rate. So, yeah. That's how sports funded everyone. <laughs> See, we're educational. So, so Gina Reinhart, she buys the Tigers, moves them to Perth, changes the colours a little bit, so they're more like light gold, yellowish sort of colour. Mm. And we put a P&G team in. 
We move the Bulldogs down to Liverpool. Another New Zealand team. Boom. Parramatta takes over the Balmain area. Yeah, yeah. Um, Penrith takes over part of the Magpies area if the Bulldogs don't want it. Just because, why not? Yeah, why not? I think that the Bulldogs would be fine with it, though. I think they, that they, they, they should be. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've I've said on the podcast before. I I think that there's a place for realignment of all of the junior development areas in Sydney. Absolutely. Uh, to to change as Sydney has changed. So I was just going to say one other thing too is um, once that um, dissolving of the West Tigers has com- has completed. Yes. We then go back to the history record books and say. Balmain officially died in 1999. Yes. They had no involvement whatsoever with any team after that point in time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that early Even changed on... the West Tigers name to the, to the West's Magpies. Yeah. So the name is a little bit different, but the legacy can continue. And no one would know any different. No, nah, it wouldn't. It w- yeah, it wouldn't change anything, would it? No. People would be absolutely amazed. Like, how did this team go from being absolutely fucking flogged every week in 1998, 1999 to Mm. winning a premiership six years later Mm. and then doing nothing for another 20 years? (laughs) (laughs) And then dissolving. Like, that's that's perfect. I mean, that is is peak Magpies behaviour right there. I don't think there'd be anything in the rugby league record books that kind of stands out. Like, maybe... Maybe North Sydney, looking at North Sydney and being like, how was this club pretty good for so long, but they only won two titles in the 20s? How's that work? And back to back. They didn't have a, a, a period of great success where they stretched them out. No, no, let's just do bam, there it is there. Bam, bam. Yeah, and then, like, and then, like, even in the last couple of years, they were good until, like, what, three years out and then just died immediately. Yeah, they, they fell off a cliff because, as we've said, the rain. Rain in Gosford. Yeah. Um, tonight, we've seen the Sydney Roosters have beaten the Parramatta Eels. That's their, that's the Eels season pretty much over. Ooh. Um, so what was the score? It was 34 points to 12. Jesus to, Christ, yeah. they run on with it. Yeah, to the Sydney Roosters over the Eels. So the Eels are done. We we kind of knew that, though. Um, Warriors beat the Seagulls 29 points to 22. Interesting game. It was a bit scrappy at times, but it was entertaining. You know, one of those sorts of games. Yep. Um, the but Seagulls... that, that had been manly done as well, then. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, Seabold was blowing up. There was a point where uh, game the game was tied at 22-all. And Daly Cherry Evans was going for a field goal. It was charged down by the Warriors. And it went back to a Seagulls player who went to grab the ball, but it, it had bounced like it had been charged down and bounced off the ground. He went up to catch the ball. And Charles Nickel Clogstad sort of took his legs from under him and he, he landed on his back. But as he let the Seagulls player landed on his back, but as he landed on his back, he let go of the ball. Uh, the Seagulls were blown up saying that was a dangerous tackle. It wasn't. He wasn't in any danger. He just had the wind knocked out of him. And it wasn't a penalty because there was nothing illegal in the tackle. And so it was a turnover. So Anthony Seabold blew up about that because, of course, their whole season was on the line for that one decision. It wasn't that they sucked all year. Um, <laughs> well, you know, so, there, was 11, yeah. there was 11 other losses, but, you know, let's just whinge about this one. Details, details. <laughs> 
So, oh man, well, we're starting to get the uh, the finals picture starting to get a little bit clearer. And take it too, Parramatta and Manly both losing has helped keep the Cowboys' dream alive. Yeah, a lot relies on how the Rabbitohs do. In well, the Rab- yeah, the Rabbitohs have got the Knights. Okay, so that's a huge game, that one. It is, but that also means too that the Cowboys are still going to be just um, either if the Rabbitohs lose, then the Cowboys are still equal them on points, but behind a lot on points difference, or they'll be one point behind the Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other concern is the Roosters next. Is it next week? Yeah, they'll have the Tigers. Yeah. So there's a gimme. And the Roosters are, the points difference is minus 62. Mm. Cowboys is 12. So if the Roosters win by 74 next week against the Tigers, um, those two sides will be Cowboys and Roosters will have parity for points difference. Isn't that weird that, like, you kind of have to do the math on that one and be like, ooh, they could get that really close. (laughs) So I'll just say it was 70... 74. Now, people might think that I'm being a bit facetious there. Um, but no, let's have a look at the last time these two sides played. Oh, what was that? Roosters won 72 to 6. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, let, let, let's just go through a few recent uh, Roosters victories over the Tigers, shall we? Okay. I'll just read them all out from, say, 2012. <laughs> <laughs> 42, 28, 44, 20, 56, 14, 30 to 6, 48 to 4, 36 to 4, 33 to 8, 32 to 18, 40 to 18, 22 to 18. Oh, the Tigers had a win, 10-8. Nice. Then we're, now we're at 2018. Roosters, 16, 14. Close game. Mm. And then 2019, 42, 12, 24, 16, 38, 16, 40 to 6, 72 to 6. So the last two games, the Roosters have won 112-12. The Tigers are the Roosters' bitch. That, that, that's going to be interesting. It's those last few teams, it is going to be such a cool race between them over the last few weeks because, like, some of them play one another. Like, the Roosters play the Rabbitohs in the last round. Yeah. That's going to be so cool. If, they're, if that's for a place in the finals, man... Yeah, there's some there's some interesting um, games coming up for the rest of this week and into next week as well. I think next week the Sharks have got the Knights. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty interesting game That's as well. That's a good one, yep, yep. Because um, the Sharks and the Knights, their points difference isn't too much different. The Knights, though, have got that unique... Um, differentiating, that is, they've got a draw against their name, so they're not going to be tied on points with anyone. Um, but the Raiders are still going to be shitting themselves quite a bit because their points difference is fucking atrocious. Yeah, the Raiders... uh... To the the point, even though the Roosters are minus 62, if the Mm. Roosters get to the same points, competition points as the Raiders, the Roosters will jump them. Yeah. So the Raiders will still drop all the way down to 10th. The Raiders are probably the one team in the top eight that you could look at and say that they're just in dreadful form. Um, probably then after that, it's the Cowboys just don't look like a finals team. Um, but we'll see. They'll, they'll all fight it out 
you know, I, I think that the the Broncos, Panthers, and Warriors, weirdly enough, are the teams to beat right now. Yeah, they've um, bolted ahead. And the, the the thing that I was when I was watching the Warriors and Manly, uh, and I'm watching these two teams, and even the Sharks game, I, I was like, this is good, and they've done well, but this is a this is a different beast than what Penrith is. Like, you can't just score points like this in a Panthers game. Um, you can't just you can't just outscore the other team like you, you're doing in this one sort of thing, you know? Yeah. So it's going to make for a really cool final series. Like, cause something dramatic is going to happen either way. I'm, I've got a feeling. Mm-hmm. Panthers are going to put on a fucking cricket score on the Titans this week. You reckon? And then they might just go, let's just rest a few players against Parramatta. Not all of them. Mm. A few against Parramatta. And then a few different ones the week after that, so that all the you know top seventy players have all had at least a one week break Rotate, over the, yeah. over those two weeks. Yeah, and a lot of their fringe players have also got a bit of game time over those two weeks. Mm-hmm. Coming to the finals, everyone's going. Everyone's had a little bit of a break, but no one's out of form. No one's had too long out, and their backup players have all had a bit of game time as well. So everyone's going. Mm. And then win the first week, everyone gets a week off. Then they're all bloody fit and firing for that third week of finals. I, I think the Panthers are absolutely perfectly placed to win another title here. I can't see crazy. who's going to challenge them. It's crazy. I, it's it's just crazy. I, there's, there's I can't a, believe I can't believe it. <laughs> there's a bunch of teams there which will. They've got, um, good attack, mm. which could threaten the the Panthers. But what they don't have is a defence that can mm. stop the Panthers. That's the thing. And no team is close to Penrith defensively. Not no. even close. It's, it's, it's just completely different, isn't it? It's really weird. It's the, I mean, the next best team to the Panthers defensively is probably going to be the Broncos, and they've conceded about 120 points more. Yeah. That's and ridiculous. The, the thing that gets me about Penrith is they showed through – origin and i know it's not the finals but take cleary out of the team and they can still do some shit you know they can still beat you in a game um i think weirdly that probably the only player they haven't got a some sort of replacement for is dylan edwards just because he's such a unique sort of player um but everyone else they can kind of do something with and work around it. And because their system is so, they've got so much depth and it's so defensively oriented that they will just, they can still grind you to dust just with their defense. Just for shits and giggles, man. Yeah. Not even shits and giggles, man. I'd like to see one game where Brian two owes at fullback. Not, not because I think he's, he'd be good at it. Not because he's got a good, he doesn't have a good passing game. I just want to see his kick returns. (laughs) <laughs> just run, run five hundred meters. <laughs> just fucking destroy him. That's all I want to see. And he gets to do a ton of them. Just boom, 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 boom. Be crazy. Yeah, he, and he won't need to pass. He's just well, going to you know, be rolling through humans. You know that game that they had recently against the Sharks felt a little bit like, um, it felt like a bit of an exhibition where they just they ground the Sharks to dust. Yeah, and. There was nothing the Sharks could do, like absolutely nothing. And it was like, it, it was kind of amazing to see. But that, 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 
Okay, so that game against the Sharks, I think mm. is the way Penrith will play against most of the teams in the top five. Yeah. Because it would work very similar with all of them. And yeah. that is, I think, with the Broncos, the Warriors, less so the Storm, but still possible there, mm. is those teams, um, the the Broncos, Warriors, Sharks, their attack still seems like it's, Still not quite where it needs to be. And their defense obviously isn't up as good as what their attack is. Mm-hmm. So if you can um, pressure them and make them panic in attack, mm-hmm. it basically turns their attack off because they stop focusing on what works mm-hmm. and they start thinking, fuck, we've got to score points this set. And they start panicking and they start trying to chase points all the time, yeah. even though they might only be down by six or eight points on the ladder. Oh, sorry, on the, t- on the clock. So they start panicking which just plays right into Penrith's hands because the one thing Penrith does better than anyone else is they remain composed. And as soon as they make a team panic, they have full control and they then start taking over the game. And they don't do it quickly. They just slowly build it. Um, so we saw in that game against the Sharks, it was pretty pretty even evenly matched up around half time, And then after they come out in the second half, Penrith came out and they just went, okay, we're just going to give third gear a try. Mm. The sharks are gone. What the fuck do we do? <laughs> Quick, throw a ransom ball, kick to the corner, do this, do that. Blah, blah, blah. They're just doing. They're throwing fucking sinks and shit like that. All at Penrith, Penrith's going. Oh, none of this shit's gonna. What are you doing? Uh, have you not watched tape against us on and how to figure out how to get through us? Because you're doing all the wrong things here at the moment. We stop yeah. all of this shit. The chaos, they stop. Yeah. The only way to get through Penrith is through persistence and. Very well run um, line running plays, and they have to be targeting specific people, and you've got to try and get people one on one, because Penrith always defend in pairs everywhere they go. Mm. It's pairs, mm. so they don't slide as a full line; they slide in pairs wherever the ball is. So if the change of play goes the other way, bam! There's already a defender standing there waiting. People are always on their toes. No one's standing still, but they're moving at different paces and a lot of it's just pairs everywhere. So there's always two defenders going up to make a tackle everywhere. They're fucking hard to get through because of that. It's a brilliant system, but it can be exploited. But teams too often will get panicked because Penrith's defense comes up and they fucking shut everything down and they make you panic and then they put the clock against you and all of a sudden you're going, fuck, we're down by eight and there's only 15 minutes to go. We haven't been able to score any points for 20 minutes. And so... That eight point margin feels like twenty, and, and they're they're so patient. They're like they're yeah. patient on a level that is kind of unnatural because it's not just a it's it's not just a thing of like as a team we want to be patient. The individuals in the team also have the ability to play with patience, which is important. You know they've got the right players in the right system playing the right way. And I, the thing that gets me about this Penrith team is, if it was just about their defence, they could without they could win the premiership, right? I don't think that anybody doubts that. If 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 you said the Panthers aren't going to score more than ten points in any of their finals games, I don't think anyone would look at it and say, "Oh man, that's going to be easy to beat them." Then, like it's still going to be a horror show to beat them, you know, because their defence is going to be good. I think the 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 spectre that has got to be in some teams' minds because 
like Penrith knows they can do it. And there's some of these teams that they're going to be playing in finals, like the Broncos, that don't know if they can do it, right? Yeah. The Warriors don't know if they can do it. The Sharks teams, like there's not too many teams there that know they can win a premiership. If they go into a big game against Penrith, that first half that they did against the Parramatta Eels in last year's grand final, where no team is ever going to beat them if they play like that, is everyone's going to be thinking about that at some point. Because if Penrith does that, I don't care who's in the top eight. Penrith plays like that against any of them. They're not going to get close to Penrith. And the fact that Penrith can play that football is fucking scary because they haven't done it since. No, that's right. Like, you know what? They Maybe from in that Storm game, after they were down 18-0, they did that a little bit to the Storm where it was just like the Storm were not in the contest all of a sudden, and it was over. Even though they were up 14-0, Penrith just basically did what they want with them for the rest of the game, and it was shocking. What did they win? 38-14, something like that. That was fucking creepy. <laughs> like, that was a creepy performance. And it was kind of like that first half in the grand final where, you know, 10 minutes in, you're looking, you're watching this team absolutely annihilate the second best team in the competition. And it was fucking weird. And it, you're going to half time, and like, it, the grand final's over at half time. Yeah. It was so strange. Yeah, that, that was just utter. Control. Mm, I've never seen that at club level. No, I've seen I've seen it. it I've seen it in Origin, uh, and I've definitely seen it, the Australian team's probably the best example where they've done it to to Great Britain a couple of times and New Zealand a couple of times too, where they just come out and they just it's like their puni their their punishment for forty minutes, you know? Yeah. No, it's. I don't know. It's one of those things where I reckon a lot of people won't realise until many years later when a lot of the Panthers players in this side have retired. Mm. That people will go, shit, we saw a pretty special team there. Yeah. I think I think that it'll maybe start to kick in if they do the three straight. Because, Absolutely. Because, like, all of us, like, you can line that up as a marker against so many other great teams really easily. Um, and then if they start next season good, if they did three straight, like, that'd be outrageous. Absolutely. It, it, not just outrageous, insane. Yeah. Well, the insane. weird thing, and we've talked about it, the weird thing is this should be, where this team is at and their ages and everything, this should be the start of their contending. And, and like, for most teams that have achieved what they've done already, it's the end of their contending. And yeah. So what, like, this is uncharted territory. <laughs> it really having, is. Having said that, they might lose the grand final, lose a couple more players and be fucking fighting for the finals in two years' time. Who fucking knows? <laughs> now, the other thing, that there, there is one Penrith team that's not doing as great, and that is the New South Wales Cup side. Mm-hmm. They're, they're still in the hunt for a top five spot there. Yeah. But they need to, they really do need to win their last two games. And one of those last two games is against the top of the table, North Sydney Bears. 
it's going to be a big clash, hey? It is, yeah. Um, a clash between the two best defensive teams in the comp, no less. I think so, that they've relied on their New South Wales Cup team a little bit more this year, and I think that's maybe some of it. Yeah, it, it has a fair bit. They've, they've used a lot more players, to be honest. Yeah. Like, just have a look now. They've used 38 players in their New South Wales Cup team this year. Yeah. Which is a fair whack. Yeah, yeah. Well, you um, think of, like, how many players the Panthers have brought up from their New South Wales Cup team to first grade. And, and like, they had, they lost May at the start of the year. So it's straight away you 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 have a player from New South Wales Cup coming up. And I, I think that there's just been a little bit more rotation than there was last year. Um, but it's a good sign for the New South Wales Cup. It's a really good sign. Absolutely it is. Um, what else has been going around the world for rugby league? Um, we got the test matches announced at the end of oh, the yeah, season. We had to go through that. Yeah. Um, where is that? Uh, let me let me do something foolish. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go where they should be. Yes. Oh, well, this is exciting. Okay. The International Rugby League, yes. on their homepage, yes. their main story is International Calendar 2023 to 2030, updated list of fixtures. Oh, they've got dates on their calendar? Let's read. It says, when was this? Six, two days ago. Excellent. Oh, they do have dates. Okay. Okay. August 26th. This is in eight days' time. Mm-hmm. The Czech Republic plays Serbia. Nice. September 2, Wales plays England in the Physical Disability Rugby League. Okay. Um, September 16, Montenegro v. Malta. September 23, Malta v. Bulgaria. Also September 23. Um, in the women's games, Jamaica plays USA and USA plays Canada two days after that. These are both in the West Indies. Mm-hmm. September 27, Canada plays Jamaica. And September 30 in the men's, Netherlands plays Norway. Um, then October 14 and 15. Actually, I haven't put down which ones are on what day here. The Pacific Championships. Okay. So in the men, we've got Australia versus Samoa at Townsville. Um, PNG v Cook Islands at Port Moresby. And for the women, Australia plays New Zealand at Townsville. And Samoa plays Fiji in Port Moresby. October 21, Malta played Chile in Sydney and Germany played the Netherlands in Germany. Mm -hmm. And the week after, October 21-22, the Pacific Championships continue. In the men, New Zealand v Samoa at Auckland. New Zealand A v Tonga A also at Auckland. And Fiji v the Cook Islands in Port Moresby for the women. Uh, New Zealand v Tonga in Eden Park, Auckland, and PNG v Cook Islands in Port Moresby. October 22, England v Tonga at St. Helens. Why are they going to St. Helens? They need to try and get more people to watch the game over there, obviously. Fuck. Uh, October 28, England v Tonga at Huddersfield. They're hitting all the big spots. They're hitting all the big spots. They're going going to all those places where they don't get crowds for International Rugby League. What the fuck? 
Well, also on October 28th, if you don't want to watch England play Tommy, you can watch Philippines play Malta at Cabramatta Stadium. Much better contest. Um, Philippines will also play Malta in the women's game at the same ground. Mm-hmm. And the Czech Republic will play Netherlands. Um, also that same weekend, Australia v New Zealand in the Pacific Championship and the men and the women, both at Amy Park. You go And Well, I mean... I don't know, probably probably not. Why not? I don't know. What I don't if... think I don't think that far ahead, man. I don't I don't know. I don't even forward planned what I'm gonna do the next podcast episode. What what if what if I try to make it down there? Alright. Okay. I'll I'll have to see. I'll have to see how the finance finances go, but I'll try and make it down there and, and we'll try and sort that out, eh? If you if you come down here and you and you avoid drinking any coffee. Yeah. You will be able to afford to buy a house somewhere. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But the coffee in Melbourne is so different to everywhere else. Like, it's so special, isn't it? It is, but at the same time, it isn't. Yeah. Okay, and this is from someone who doesn't drink coffee. But trust me, I'm fairly confident that I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll charge you more for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, November 4th. The Pacific Cup final in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, England v Tonga at Headingley. In so the they'll get the a women. good crowd there at Headingley. Yeah, that's where the first game should be. Yeah. The second game should be like Old Trafford or something. A third one you could have at Wembley. The, like, like, take it to like, some proper grounds where you can get some decent crowds. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Stop. Why, why are you playing in towns? <laughs> You're fucking How come one of these wasn't at, How come one of these wasn't at Salford? Why can't we play like... What's that fucking ground that's in Bradford that's half built? Not the... Not, Odsall. Um, <laughs> not Odsall. The, the soccer stadium. Oh, I don't know. Uh, what's it called? They've most got of this, the, most of their got, stadiums look half built. They've got this soccer stadium in Bradford. And the Bulls played there for some time after they'd moved from Odsall. And it's imagine if you imagine if you got say Old Trafford, but you cut three quarters of it out with a knife <laughs> and put it to the side, but you've still got these big giant parts of the stadium there. That's so kind of what it looks like. Valley Parade, maybe. Oh right, it's kind of like a, a, a Brookvale Oval, Leichhardt Oval sort of hybrid. If, yeah, but if if you made it gigantic. Yep. Valley and, Parade. And, and didn't put white ants in it or True. asbestos. <laughs> it might. I don't even know. It's still got to be there, surely. Well, why are you looking uh, at that? I'll continue. It's November 4. Norway plays Greece. November 5, the Pacific Bowl final in Port Moresby. Um, Serbia plays Greece in the women in November 11. That's it as far as actual dates go. Mm-hmm. On the rest of the calendar slash... Uh, wish list 2024 Pacific Championships. That's all they've got penciled in there. That's it. 2025 Ashes Series. That's all they've got penciled in there. <laughs> yeah. 2026 Rugby League World Cup in Southern Hemisphere. Like, <laughs> let's not pick a country. Let's just put it on some somewhere behind below the fucking equator. If I said the Pacific Chile? Championship <laughs> was in is was being played on Mars, it would only be slightly less of a chance that you would pick where it is on Mars <laughs> than what the fucking International Rugby League has done. 
Let's, let's pop it in Venezuela. What could go wrong? <laughs> That's in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> oh, shit. The Democratic, Democratic Republic of Congo could have it. What we need is Donald Trump to take over Brazilian Rugby League and we'd have it being played in Brazil. <laughs> I've got some good stadiums. They're the best ever. You've got to trust me on this one. <laughs> oh, if only. Mm. 2027, Kiwi Tour to England. Yeah. 2028, 2028, Kangaroo Tour to England and the Women's World Cup. 2030, Men's World Cup. So 2029 can get fucked. 2029 just gets skipped. There's nothing. FYI, the world, 2029 doesn't exist. Yeah. So if you want to have another pandemic, bam, there's your slot. There it is. There's the slot for the pandemic. <laughs> Oh shit! We've allocated time to have a virus go around the rest of the world for a year. Nice, nice. There we go. The great syphilis virus, twenty twenty nine. Great. Yeah. You know, I, I would have called it the great herpes pandemic of twenty twenty nine, but I know that our um, Salford listeners would be like, you can't catch it twice. Well, you know, this, that's what you have other generations for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we've hit everyone with the peaking. Now, I've got to say one more thing. Mm-hmm. You said there was something that Corey Parker had to say. Oh, yeah. That you were withholding from me. And I, so, all I said was, is it a fucking stupid idea? You said, I'm not going to reveal anything. So, you know that uh, there's these radio stations that popped up around fucking Australia SEN? Yeah. Right. And, like, any time I see content from them, I'm like, yeah, that's why I don't listen to radio. So Corey Parker's on one of these stations, and he goes, and he's like, he's being serious, too. He's like, I've got an idea. Well, you have to be, because he doesn't have a sense of humour. I know. I've got an idea. It's called the Str- joke. The- well, there's a straight away started with a lie, but continue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called... It'd make the NRL more exciting. It's called the playing the Joker card. <laughs> so every team gets a Joker card to play once a once a season, right? And he says when you play your Joker card, you have to win by ten points or more. And if you win by ten points or more, you get four competition points. But if you <laughs> don't win by 10 points you only win by four points or six points you don't get any competition points and it's the joker card and it would make things so much more exciting (laughs) oh Corey! that's Corey parker's great big big brain moment oh man bless your little heart you're a fucking idiot he's adorable isn't he that's gorgeous i love it when people have their first idea it's so it's so pretty (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. The Joker card. You know what's great is that I reckon in his mind, yeah, he's actually got it in his mind that the player will actually have the physical card in their pocket while they're playing. They'll <laughs> <laughs> go up to the referee when they're up by twelve. Joker card. Joker card. You, it kind of reminds me of you know in um, the WWE when someone wins money in the bank and everything. Mm-hmm. Every time you see him for the rest of the year, they cart around a stupid fucking briefcase everywhere. Yeah. That's what he's got them doing, the cart around with the Joker card. I bet that's where he got the fucking idea from. Well, I saw somebody, because I wanted to see the comments, and the comments were just, as you can imagine, because it was in a tweet that I saw it. 
And somebody said, like, this isn't a new idea. This is what we do in fantasy rugby league comps all the time, you know, and it's even called the joke around or whatever you can use, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that. This is why, <laughs> this is why you can't listen to rugby league people when it comes to running rugby league competitions. Cause sometimes yeah. they say some dumb shit. Yeah. Did you say, did you see on NRL 360? No. Yeah, you wouldn't have. You don't watch it like I don't. I saw a clip of it, and Laurie Daly had apparently been on the back page. Remember the back page when it used to be good? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's still going, apparently. Anyway. That was back Laurie, when they had the Toth Man on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Laurie Daly was on the back page, and he was saying that AFL is absolutely miles bigger than rugby league. And so... Laurie Daly is then on NRL 360 and Gordon Tallis, who's very thoughtful and tactful with how he uses words. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm a bit like that too when I think about it. But anyway, um, he says, are you all right? And Laurie Daly says, yeah, what, what do you mean? I'm all right. And Gordon Tallis says, well, you were on the back page the other night saying AFL is bigger than rugby league. And Laurie Daly says, well, with my betting cap on, it is. Now, the first thing I thought is, hang on, Laurie, weren't you complaining like three months ago that you can't get a coaching job in rugby league because of your betting links and that they don't have anything to do with your rugby league coaching? Like, what do you mean your betting hat, right? And so he says, well, yeah, Gordon, they are, right? And Gordon says, what are you talking about? And Laurie Daly says, and I can't remember the, the AFL player's name, but he says something like, is he, is there an AFL play called Dustin Martin or something? Dustin. Yes, so okay, he says Dustin Martin is the biggest sports star in New Zealand. Not that's not a rugby union player, right? Mm-hmm. So I looked at the comments for that. Yeah. And all these Kiwis were like, "What the? F- who the fuck is that guy?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who? I saw one person said Laurie Daly is more <laughs> more of a star <laughs> than Dustin Martin. <laughs> I think my knowledge of Dustin Martin has zero to do with the fact of, you know, anything he's actually achieved as a footballer. From memory, his father is a rat bag or something like that. Let me get, okay, I'm, I don't know who it is, right? Do you know what he looks like? Um, let, don't don't no, tell me, because no. I'll describe him. I'm going to no, describe no, no, him. Let, let, let me have a guess, okay? Because I, yeah. I seriously do not pay any attention to AFL down here. It's the only way you can survive down here if you're not an AFL fan. But I'm going to take a guess based on the few AFL footballers I've seen, okay? Yeah. Obviously, he's white. Yeah, well, they all are, yeah. Right. And he's going to be covered in fucking tattoos like someone from Tamworth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's all I can give you. Because that pretty much describes nearly all of them. Probably... <laughs> Probably looks like something wrong with his skin, but you can't tell what it is. I in alopecia. No, no, the, the, it's just it's like there's. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it without it becoming a legal issue. <laughs> okay. But it just doesn't look right. A bit unhealthy. Neck tats. I'm guessing. Ah, right. Possibly, I don't think a mullet, but some version of a mullet. Like, a you know, a real, like, shaved down mullet sort of thing. Ah, right. Okay. I, I'm guessing. 
Well, I'm pretty sure there was something on, on, well, I think there was something to do with his father being involved in some sort of drama. Okay, I'm going to look this person up, Dust. And the only other thing I know of was he had some incident where he threatened to poke or stab someone with chopsticks at a restaurant. And the thing is, out of all of this, is the only details I bothered to record was the name of the restaurant was Mr. Miyagi Japanese Restaurant. <laughs> That's it. That's all I know. I don't even know what year that was. It was probably 10 years ago or something like that. But that's that's about all I know. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know which team he plays for. I If I walked past him on the street, I wouldn't know who he was. I, I found a picture of him. Okay. I'll describe him. Sure, go for it. Caucasian. <laughs> Bam, I'm 50% of the way there. Tattoos down his arm and on his neck. Tamworth tattoos? Yep. Yep, I've got that. All right, I've got him. He's got like a tattoo around his neck. I mean, that's key Tamworth tats, that is. Yeah. He's got like, he's got a shaved head, but the sides are completely shaved. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's like when you get the mullet, but you then you have mullet regret. Yeah, and you shave it right down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. We picked right. him. <laughs> big in Kiwi Town. Big, huge in New Zealand. He's one of the the top twelve hundred most. Fucking <laughs> 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 ridiculous. Oh man! Fucking Laurie Daly. Honestly, Loz. <laughs> well, it's been a good episode. Oh, it has fancy, uh, fancy finishing on the uh, AFL player. Well, I mean, you know, you got to branch out into different sports sometimes. Sometimes, but just and not AFL, that one. just not that one. Yeah, yeah, fuck it's oh, a luxury of a sport. While we're branching out other sports, did you watch the Matildas? I uh, yeah, I I saw the I saw the end of their penalty shootout that they won. Yep, um, which was pretty cool. And then I had the Australia versus England game on kind of in the background. And uh, it was interesting. That England team is very good. You can just tell that, even not as a soccer fan. Um, and the Australian team, the thing that I got about it, they were very casual at the back. And when they're up front, they looked pretty dangerous. They, there were a couple of shots on that they got on target that they really should have put away. But, you know, they did really well. It was good to see. I just hope that... A lot of the people that are supporting them right now and saying, oh, this is great, is it? I hope that they go to um, the women's A-League games. Exactly my thoughts, because too often yeah. we have here, and it's not just the women's, it's even in the men's. We'll see yeah. it most prominently down here in Victoria when the Australian Open tennis is on. Mm. You drive around anywhere and any tennis court is fucking full of people playing tennis until yep. the end of January, and then the fucking things are empty for the next 11 months. <laughs> and I fear that that's what's going to happen with this World Cup, because that happens with the Men's World Cup as well, whenever the Socceroos do, you know, moderate, decent, or, you know, win a pool game or something like that. Yeah. Everyone's out kicking the ball around, they're all playing soccer. Um, I'd hate for this to be another flash-in-the-pan fad thing for supporters. Is that would be yeah. the worst thing that could happen to them, because they have done remarkably well. 
yeah, they did. They did great, and it was it was cool to see the all of the everyone like got behind it. It was great, and it was the other cool thing was that I think we're almost, or the media is anyway, is almost out of that thing of trying to pit sports against each other. Like one being successful is detrimental to all the others. Like that's always I found ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So it was cool to see that sort of thing sort of dying off a little bit more as, as you know, and it's going to take bit by bit, I think, as, um, you know, the the, main, oh, the corporate media, it's not mainstream, but the corporate media influence is dying off and, and people just ignore that sort of shit. But, uh, yeah, I, d- I do hope that all these people that are, are, are saying how much fun they had and stuff, they, they take that towards the women's A-League because if you, you saw that getting crowds as well, that'd be that'd be brilliant. Bloody oath. Mm. Um, I barely got to see it because most of the games had, had started all partway through. By the time I got home from work, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did get to see the penalty shootout. That's um, the worst way to finish a sporting <laughs> contest, hey? That that shootout was so everything about soccer. Two mm. hours. And not a fucking goal was scored in the space of 15 minutes. There's bloody 11 of them. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, the thing that got me was because, like, the female goalkeepers obviously can't get across to the corners of the, the goal in goal um, as well as a man can, just because they're smaller. They haven't got the kind of explosiveness in, in, when they, they do make their move. And so my guess is that's why they were aiming, the women kind of aimed for the bottom right-hand corner so much because it's it's not easy money, but it's it's the most likely to work. Um, and I'm guessing that's why there were so many posts hit when they did it because that's kind of what you do in women's soccer. But um, ah, just losing that way, because it, it's like playing one sport and then all of a sudden you're almost playing a completely different sport for a place in the semi-final. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And then to lose to England. Oh. Yeah, to lose to England sucked. But look, the, the, the goals that I saw the English women score, they were really, really good. And like, you just got to watch them and be like, wow, that's, you know, we can't, you can't argue with that sort of classy finish. I was going to say there should be a rule that every one goal that the home team scores, because they've had to fund the games and they've got to host everyone, that that mm. one goal should be worth three. You're saying that the whole World Cup should be a joke around? Hey, now we're talking. I've got an idea, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about it for three and a half seconds. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> Is there anyone we know who could probably pitch this to? They might pick it up and run with it. <laughs> oh, shit. That would be a win. That would be brilliant. Everyone would be so excited about it. Yes. Because then we can just claim the World Cup. Because like, we'd have that many goals. There's no point having a final. Time anyway, Andrew, three. that's been a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had to edit any of it out. It descended pretty quickly right there. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, um, there was nothing there that was bad. No, no. I'm going to do a super hard edit too. Yeah, make it make it really rock solid hard. Yeah. Even actually, just go halfway through a word, a that's long pause, we're... then halfway through a word. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm going to do. It'll that, be good. That'll be brilliant. Um, there was nothing. We actually did that on purpose. There yeah. was actually no hard edit. Seriously. True. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure to check us out on all the socials. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Threads, MySpace. Oh, God, there's so many of these fucking things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually not even Twitter anymore. It's X. X, um, yeah. So check us out on X. Let's say it with some weird emphasis. Um, and we'll catch us all next time.